Trent and Biz back together. We recap our weekend in Wrigley and talk a little football on top of it. Get ready for a big matchup against a Rutgers team that is a whole lot better than you think. And we'll see what we can do with our lock of the week. All today, Locked On Hawkeyes. You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. I'm Trent Condon. That's Biz, and this is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Let's us know when we go live. You know where we go live every time and helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Biz, good to see you again. Uh, see you clear-eyed here. Something I can't say about on Saturday night. We're back from Wrigley, and uh, though it's the middle of the week, I'm still feeling it. Uh, this old man just cannot handle, well, for me, what turned into three straight days of a rock and roll lifestyle anymore. Yeah, you had three days. At least I only had I only had two. My uh, I had good intentions on Friday, Trent, to really pace myself. And then we showed mm-hmm. up at your uh, your thing at Merkel's, and we sat down next to the Barntown people, and they notified us that they were giving out five hundred dollars of the free beer. So uh, if they're going to give out free beer, you better uh, you better take advantage of it. So my my plan to pace myself and start slow went uh, went out the window quickly so th- thanks to the barntown people it was good beer and uh a, a good time all around but uh did not help my uh my initial plans to act like an adult so but no yeah fun trip good uh you know really enjoyable trip all around it, it really was and it's likely a once in a lifetime type of experience and maybe there'll be another game down the line in wrigley but to do something like that now neither you and i are cubs fans but we both spent a lot of time in Wrigley. We've been to games there together. We've been to games throughout the years. I know you have uh, annual events that you go out there every year with a group of our friends. It's it's a great time. And to be there, it just what a cool area it is, coupled with our team. We're baseball fans, but ultimately, I think for both of us, the Hawkeyes are our first love. And to see our football team in a place that we've had a lot of great memories, it was just such a cool experience, even for a couple of guys that aren't Cubs fans. Yeah, I mean, I've been there. You know, my my father-in-law had season tickets to the Cubs for you know, the first twenty years that I that I knew my wife, and so we were lucky. I've been lucky enough to go to multiple games a year for you know basically my entire adult life. So I've been there, I'd say at least 50, 60 times over the years, and uh, you know it was just a totally different feel, a different vibe to it. And, and honestly, when you got there and looked at it, you realize uh, probably shouldn't be playing football there. Like it was, uh, it was legitimately unsafe in, in that uh, that the you know the, the one end zone area, and uh, fortunately we never really threatened getting near the end zone or you know have any plays where receivers are having to dive through the end zone or anything like that. So you, you never had to worry about that corner. But technically, uh, I'm amazed that the NCAA allowed that that allows that arrangement because that is not a uh, not a safe area over there. And then you add that with the fact that you got both teams on the same sideline. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous. 
with teams trying to get plays in from 50, 60 yards away. And there are multiple times when we were having our goal line stand at the one, when we subbed, the guys that subbed out, you know, we were right in the bleachers there, as you can see this, we'd sub out. Like one time we brought, took Kyler Fisher in and Wampa out and Fisher had to weave behind the Northwestern bench to get there. And Wampa had to weave behind the Northwestern bench to get out because he, he had to get off the field. And so, yeah, not, not the greatest setup from a, uh, you know, playing standpoint. I can understand why Kirk Ferentz was like, yeah, not, not a big fan of this, but from a, from a fan standpoint, it was awesome. And like you said, I'm guessing we won't do it again, but uh, to be there and see it in person was really cool. You mentioned uh, did not really have to worry about the end zone very much, and that went on both sides. It was another standard Iowa football game. Weren't able to run it real well. Uh, the offensive line got really banged up as the game went on. You had three different starters that were out portions of the football game. Ellsbury came in at center for Logan Jones. Thought he played at least okay, but you know, going back and watching it, it's – the limitations of this offense have been immense. We've talked about it all season long, and they're just it's it's get the point now with the final three games upon us here, the regular season. There's just not a whole lot that more that can be said. There's not gonna be some kind of magic elixir. You know, they had Cooper out there for a couple of plays, but there's just nothing that can be done, it feels like right now, that's going to be able to elevate this offense really at all. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, Trent, uh, that may be as as good as we're going to see the rest of the year. Because, like you said, with the limitations, I mean, what we saw was 66% passing out of out of Deacon, which that's a heck of a lot better than it's been. Yeah. We saw an adequate running game. It wasn't good, but it was, it was serviceable. You saw a splash of Cooper, and you also got to see a splash of, of Caleb Brown. And yeah. you hope that those last two categories will continue to, to increase a little bit and, you know, you know, hopefully get see Cooper on the field four, five, six plays next week and then keep adding and you know Caleb Brown hopefully go from one catch to maybe two or three. Um, but with the limitations we have, I mean nothing's gonna change these next three weeks. It, it's it's a fight to see who gets to 10 points first, Trent. And uh you know fortunately with the three opponents we got coming up, 10 points might get it done against all three of them. Yeah. And that's also the reality of the situation. And if it means that Iowa finds himself in Indianapolis. It's going to take more than 10, obviously, to get it done, regardless of who they face there between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. It's going to take a whole lot more, but we'll kind of get there when we get there, right? And just keep growing there. You mentioned, you know, 67% passing from Deacon, and it was they simplified things as much as possible. It was very simple throws that he made, used a play action, a couple of boot actions. It was good to see that apart there. The Cooper DeGene part, though, I do think is something that they're not going to have him out there 25, 30 offensive plays. It's just not going to happen. And and frankly, I don't think it would be a good idea to do that because Kirk said this yesterday in the press conference, and I, I think it was spot on, is he's doing so much. And yes, defensively, this team's been on the field for over 600 plays this year defensively. I don't know if he's played over 600 himself, but it's got to be close. Coupled with what he does on special teams and the importance there. And any kind of, even just a ding to Cooper DeGene is going to be incredibly impactful for two of the areas you're actually good at. And and that's the part where I definitely can understand the reasoning behind Kirk Ferentz and his reluctancy to put Cooper DeGene out there offensively. Well, and that's that's not a hypothetical you're talking about, Trent. It's a fact. We saw it last year against Nebraska. Right. I mean, when he went down, we were screwed. I mean, for the next quarter, they just went directly at his replacement, and all of a sudden, we're down 24 nothing. So, I mean, at that point, Phil Parker had made his usual adjustments and, and fixed it, and we were able to get back in the game. But, uh, 
you know, I don't, I mean, would I have liked to see him out there for more than two plays? Sure. But I, I have no problem with how we did it. I, I hope it expands a little bit. I hope, like I said, I'll be getting to see a package of four to five plays this week and put more on tape so that you got to at least plan through some of those things. So, but, you know, the other thing, Trent, before we, you know, before we move on from talking about the game, I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. We've ripped on Deacon and talked about all the mistakes he's made and how he's not played good football. But that was one hell of a pass to, to Caleb Brown. I mean, that's not an easy pass to make, and especially given his lack of touch that he's shown on any kind of throws like that, for him to step up and, and put it, uh, you know, right in that little window in, in that situation, give him credit. I mean, he's you – know, I think we both agree he's not a good quarterback right now. Yeah. But when he needed it and we needed one big pass, he stepped up and made it. So – uh and same, you know, offensive line blocked on that play, and Caleb Brown made the catch. So, uh, for all the limitations we have, when, when we needed it, they all stepped up, made a play when it happened. So, uh, you know, you know we, we can complain all we want about the limitations, but uh, when it mattered, we we stepped up and made the one play with that we needed. So, uh, let's let's give credit where credit's due. Deacon uh, Deacon put together an adequate drive down the stretch. And really at this point, I think that's all that we can ask for. Well, another matchup this week, and I think I've been saying now, what, over the last five games, I thought this was the most talented team that they're going to face. And you see the name, you see the jerseys, you see the helmet, it's Rutgers. But this is different than even the Rutgers team we saw a year ago. We'll talk about that matchup a little bit more. Of course, we got our picks also coming up here, our lock of the week presented by FanDuel. We'll do that as we continue here, Locked On Hawkeyes. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America and the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on a six to two, a two to six, excuse me, player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. So you take a look at things right now. You got football going on. You got basketball. They got pros. They got college. You can take a look at both sides of that and you can play along with all kinds of different things. Right now, you can also use combo projections across football and basketball together in their specials lead. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions in a football game. Steph Curry, more or less, 29 points. How about Joker? More or less, 10 rebounds. That's what you do. Put them all together. It's very simple, and you can turn money into big-time winnings. Prize picks is really simple to play. I make my picks and can submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. What you want to do is go to prizepicks.com slash college and use the code LOCKDOWNCOLLEGE you'll get a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made simple. Trenton Biz back with you once again here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Biz, Rutgers, saw him last year. Cooper DeGene, speaking of him. Had a good game. A couple of pick sixes there. Defense showed up in a big-time way, and Iowa found a way to get a victory out in Piscataway. This Rutgers team, a lot better than the one they saw a year ago. I think you can make an argument that they're the second-best team on our schedule behind, behind Penn State. I mean, yeah. 
who would you say is better than them? I mean, I guess Iowa State, maybe, or maybe. I don't know, I mean, Wisconsin at times, or I mean, but I mean, given the circumstances, they're, they're, they probably, up to this point at least, played this, uh, you know, they, they played everybody tough. They've, uh, you know, they're six and three, and they, uh, I mean, they, you watch them play. They're, the funny thing is, I think Greg Schiano, you know, in a lot of ways, has kind of copied the Iowa formula. They, they, they good special teams. They play really good defense. They try to be bully ball and run run the ball. I mean, they know their limitations. They're 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 not, uh, you know, they're not a juggernaut by any means. But they play good, sound football. I, I watched, you know, we, we were at the, we, we were stuck at a bar that randomly decided at eleven o'clock last week. Uh, they were Ohio State bar, so literally. 60% of the televisions at 11 o'clock automatically uh, switched over to the Ohio State Rutgers game. So we got to watch it whether we wanted to or not. But uh, it ended up being a damn good game. I mean, Rutgers was in, in, in control up until the pick six midway through the third quarter. So, yeah. But the good thing is, I mean, I, there's no way we're going to be looking past Rutgers this year. You worry sometimes when you play yeah. a team like Rutgers, like, you, know, you, you look past them. I mean, we'll be ready to play. And, and I do think uh, – this is the type of team that Phil Parker usually excels against as well. They're, they're pretty one-dimensional. So uh, one thing I thought it was interesting, just looking at their statistical profile uh, this week, and their Iowa elite defensively, elite special teams, are just as bad as you can be offensively. They're good defensively and about as bad as you can be offensively without being like at a level like Iowa. So what number, though, they are six in the country right now in passing yards allowed at 159. Well, I was just talking about prize picks. If I put passing yards at 100 for Iowa, would you go over more or less 100 passing yards for the Hawks this week? Oh boy, <laughs> you asked that question. You like that's a ridiculous question, but yeah, I probably under. I don't know. I mean, right. I mean, honestly, I kind of hope for under because if, if it is under, that's probably a good sign. It probably means we controlled the line of scrimmage and we ran the ball for you know 150 plus. So yeah. You know, if we threw for over 100, that may not necessarily be a good thing. So, but, <laughs> what a world we're living in right now. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm not joking. I say it's really a battle to 10. I mean, I, I'm fairly confident whoever gets the 10 points first on Saturday is going to win the game. I mean, and it may not get to 10. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, Phil Parker has done a really nice job. He basically owned the you know, lower level East teams, Maryland, Indiana, Rutgers. I mean, we've done a nice job of, uh, you know, beating up on, on that side. And that's the reason why I think we have, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think pretty clearly we have the uh, best record of the West teams against the East because we haven't stubbed our toe against any of them. So I don't know. at this point, it wouldn't shock me if we came out and lost by, you know, lost uh, by 10 or one by 10. I mean, I have no confidence whatsoever going into Iowa games anymore to, to predict what's going to go on because, you just you go in and hope for uh, hope for what happened last Saturday, which is eke out a 10-7 victory. Gavin Wimsett, their quarterback, big dude. He can run it. He's got speed to him, but he's also been prone to the big mistake, and that's another reason to be optimistic because he's not only throwing interceptions, he's throwing a bunch of pick sixes this year. And in a year where Iowa has not been forcing turnovers at the high rate that we're used to here, there's a quarterback that's given a few back. And Maybe he'll make some plays and maybe he'll be able to get some of those rushing yards that we saw earlier this season to some running quarterbacks that left us a little bit frustrated. But if he can give us one and we know anything, we'll take it. If he can give us a an interception, a pick six, a, 
a fumble, put it on the turf, something like that. This Iowa defense has been playing well. They haven't been generating turnovers. That's something at least maybe even raise my optimism a little bit higher for this week. Yeah, I mean, we're due. You're, you're right. I mean, as good as our defense has been, they haven't had a lot of breaks go their way. There's been you know, a couple balls up in the air that we haven't made, you know, tips, tip balls in there that haven't gone our way. We're due for just a, uh, you know, tip ball right into somebody's hands. So as many times as we, we you know, are in the right spot. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's I, I'm done trying to guess on Iowa football. It's it's almost impossible at this point with the, you know, just you just, like I said, enjoy the ride. It, it's it defies logic that we're seven and two and that we're in the driver's seat to, to be an Indian in four weeks. So uh, I've just kind of taken the approach last week and this week rather than get mad and be frustrated at some of the ugly football, just <laughs> enjoy it and hope and expect we're going to find a way to eke out victories because we, we keep doing it. So uh, let's, let's ride the wave for three more weeks. Well, with that biz, let's uh, talk a little basketball here. The home opener last night, for the men's team, they race out to a big lead early against North Dakota and really cruised. I came into the year with my expectations pretty low. Uh, not only did I not think this was going to be an NCAA tournament team, I thought it was going to be a struggle, maybe even be an NIT team. You know, 18 and 16, I think, you know, something in that range was what I was thinking, and maybe they'd sneak into the NIT, probably without a home game. I know it's two games in, an exhibition game against Quincy, and then what we saw last night, North Dakota is not good, but... Boy, I just watching that team with a bunch of new faces out there. Fran, we see it every single year, but the way he coaches offensive basketball, it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, it's the, it's the anti, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of refreshing after two two months straight of watching uh, offensive ineptitude to just kind of be able to sit back and watch offense and, you know, beautiful, beautiful offensive execution in anything and, and you know when they're on all when they're clicking on all cylinders there's no better offense in, in college basketball than us i mean we we are a well-oiled machine when we're rolling and you know you watch all four of those freshmen i'm excited all four of them a they have a role and b they embrace their role i mean that that i watched that quincy game and you know it fell down 16 to 6 and then they put those four in and they played great i mean they just yeah. came in and the intensity level picked up a little bit. And from that point forward, we, we, you know, we played good basketball, but all four of them, they don't seem overwhelmed. Um, and they all four seem like, I don't think any, I don't think any of the four are going to be major contributors this year, but you know, I, I'm pleasantly surprised by all four of them. And then, you know, the returning guys, they are what they are. I mean, we're going to struggle against teams that are physical. We're going to struggle against teams that, that get up on our shooters and make us uh you know, play through the post, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've kind of just accepted the fact of Fran's teams that uh, you got to kind of the opposite of, of Iowa football. You got to enjoy it for what it is, which, uh, you're going to have some really fun games when we look great. And you're going to have some games when, uh, shots don't go in and we lose by 30 because, you know, defense is still optional. Yeah. It's a very fair way to put it. I will say one game in or two, I guess if you count Quincy, I would say I had them at like, a 10% chance of being a tournament team. I'm at 25, 30%, you know, something like that. I There's a path here, and I think there's a path for this team. Get a couple of breaks, going to have to get a nice win or two, not just in the non-conference, but obviously in conference play. I think there's a path there. I think there's another real opportunity for this team to be back in the tournament, and and that's what Fran does. You you look at the, the sum of the parts, it just adds up much differently than what he puts on the floor every single year, and got to give him credit now. I know, yes. Uh, hasn't got to the second weekend, and that will always be there. But as you said, Biz, just 
accept it for what it is. It's an entertaining brand of basketball. They're playing good basketball. And we remember the Licklider days. <laughs> that was not fun basketball. And just take it for what it is and enjoy the ride as we make our way through a cold, cold winter. Uh, did you go to the women's game of the opener on Monday? I did. And I, I think I texted my dad and told him I've never, I can't remember in my adult life ever seen more fans at Carver on a Monday night, men or women. I mean, it was, yeah. it, it was crazy. We, we left our house, which we live, you know, 10 minutes away from, from Carver. We left our house at five 45. Cause we're like, Oh, I not only want to get there. I'd like to see the, the raising of the final four banner. Also, we were late getting in because we couldn't find a parking spot anywhere. Wow. And part of that's due to construction because they got construction with the wrestling and then construction on the North side of the football of, of Kinnick also. But uh, I mean, it was difficult to get in there. I mean, it was, it was probably 13,000 people there on a Monday, which I can't remember the last time it had to go back to probably my college days back when we sold out every game to uh, remember that. So, and it was an amazing atmosphere. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> there's kind of this rock star atmosphere to this team where you get fans. It's because, you know, you've been to a few games, but uh, I mean, the fans are just a different kind of breed than it is the men's. You know, a lot of the men's team, it's old guys that have been there for 50 years and they're kind of, they're not, it takes a lot for them to get up and cheer. Going so through the most game, women's game, they're cheering everything. I mean, you, you got an enthusiastic crowd, you got a lot of young people, you got a lot of, uh, you know, kids, you got a lot of people that are, you know, they're, they're into it. And so it, it's an awesome atmosphere. So I never thought I'd, I never thought I'd get to a point where, uh, you know, I could probably make a couple thousand bucks this year if I wanted to start selling my tickets on, on women's right. basketball. It's crazy. And and kind of the biggest storyline actually on the court, Caitlin was Caitlin, same thing. And they got a monster matchup tomorrow night against Virginia Tech, another Final Four team from a year ago. And that'll be fun to see. But the decision that we don't see Addison in the starting lineup, instead it was Goodman out there at the post position, I think came as a surprise to a lot of people. But before injuries, Goodman was she was trending to become that post player and be, you know, an impactful one. And it was just uh, interesting to say the least that she got the start. It is, but if you've watched, it really isn't. I mean, if you if you've watched Jan Jensen over the years, what she wants out of her post players is to be instinctive and basically the moment they the ball. I mean, she wants them to basically be up. up their shots should be they should be in the process of shooting before the ball even gets to them. When you watch the Megan Gustafsons, the Monica Cezanos, they knew when the ball was coming to them, they'd have them, someone pinned, turn, and go up without thinking at all. No dribble. And, and Sharon Goodman's good at that. I mean, that you watch her, it's just it's instinctive. Like you get you get the positioning, it should be an automatic bucket. And for whatever reason, Addie O'Grady just doesn't seem quite as instinctive with that. I mean, everything everything Addie O'Grady does seems to come with a a thought first and that's not what jan jensen wants out her post players she wants her post players to establish good position and when the ball is coming you better be ready to go up automatically and, and you know we've seen it in the past when it works it's pretty beautiful basketball and i mean to me that's that's the reason she's starting is that she just seems more more confident i guess in the post right now and a post player on the other side with the power forward in, in hannah stolke which you saw her a year ago as a freshman and it just you can see it continuing to open up for her shooting ability, need to knock down the free throws and you know, all the things that we saw from her a year ago. But with her speed, her ability to catch in space and on the fly, uh, she's going to have some monster performances this year. Well, her trust level with Caitlin has just skyrocketed also. Yeah. You can see, I mean, what Caitlin had with Monica, I'm not saying she's there yet with Hannah, but it it's getting there. I mean, just there were a couple times where, you know, in transition, Hannah wasn't even really open. 
but Caitlin trusts her like she's better, better athlete and coordinated enough to catch a ball in traffic and go up. And that's not something that, you know, even with Monica, I mean, Monica, one of the greatest post players in Iowa history, clearly, but uh, you know, that wasn't her strength was, you know, necessarily winning like, you know, 50, 50 balls in the air. Yeah. I mean, that's Hannah's. I mean, you put it in the vicinity of her, she's going to go get it and she's going to make a play with it. So yeah, it's, it'll be, it'll be a fun ride. I don't know. Tomorrow night, I think they might be in trouble. Virginia tech's awful good and they got everybody back. So, uh, but uh, you know, it'll be a fun to watch, fun, fun to watch. Uh, see what happens. No doubt about it. And uh, we'll be here locked on Hawkeyes to recap that one on the Friday show. Biz, as we come back here on Locked On Hawkeyes, time to make our locks of the week. They're all presented by FanDuel Sportsbook each and every week. We take a game. We'll also talk, take a look at what we have with the Iowa game. We'll do that as we continue here with the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Speaking of that, Locked On Hawkeyes, today's episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. All you have to do, $150 if your team wins. Take a look at the NFL slate. You got the Cowboys this week. They're a huge favorite in their matchup against the Giants. Sorry, stat boy. You have those kind of games. All you have to do, pick a winner, and there's going to be $150 in bonus bets in your account. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app, it's super easy to use. Use a huge range of betting options, including point spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. I love their future market. They got a ton in there, including the Big Ten West odds. Yeah, they've updated those, and you can fire away at that. Right now, visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash on for you and an opportunity for that $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Trenton Biz back with you one final time here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. And here we go again, Biz. It is time for our lock of the week. We sit here in the middle of the week and take a look at the college slate. We'll get into the Iowa Rutgers matchup and the historic low as they keep hitting historic lows. I got a little nugget for you coming up on that front as well, uh, talking about the total. But uh, looking back, what did we have last week? We, we, have- oh, we did it, Trent. We double jinxed. Oh, I had man. Iowa State, you had Nebraska, and we talked about it. That yeah, It's best-case scenario because either we, we look smart because we were right or we uh, are wrong and uh, happy to be wrong. So it was part of uh, a perfect fall Saturday last week, Trent, because it doesn't get any better than an Iowa victory and a loss by Nebraska, Iowa State, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Yeah. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think all four of them were were favored to win. Not by a lot, but I think all four of them were were technically upset and, and lost. So uh, it doesn't get any better than uh, the Hawks win, no matter how ugly it is, and all four of your main rivals lose. So uh, a good Saturday, and uh, let's hope maybe that we can uh, repeat that again this Saturday. Well, I don't have a double jinx this week, but I do have a Friday night game. Always a dangerous territory. I'm taking the best team against the spread this year in college football. You know who it is? I mean, Friday night. I'm trying to think who's playing Friday night. So, uh, Arizona. The UNLV running Rebels. That's right. Go. Negus's team is undefeated ATS this year and pretty dang good as Wyoming comes to town. Now, Wyoming... Maybe you saw them early this season when they knocked off Texas Tech. 
when Tech was a top 25 team. They've had a really nice season. They're limited themselves offensively. And yeah, Tim Polisek, the former offensive line coach, is the coordinator out there. But uh, I will tell you this Wyoming team, different team on the road than they have been at home. So I'm going to lay the five here, something I don't love to do, but I'm going to lay the points for the first time and probably uh, not very often I do that. Give me UNLV minus the five. I have no no clue on that, Trent, but I'll just trust trust your word on that. But um, I, I'm going with uh, Kentucky. Kentucky plus 10 and a half. It's against Alabama. That line stinks. It should be higher than that. Um, but to me, this is a, a good trap game for, for Alabama. They've just come off back-to-back big um, rivalry game wins. If you remember, was it probably a month ago, they, they played at Arkansas and kind of stumbled their way to a, a seven-point victory and, and wasn't pretty. Um, I think that same thing is going to happen here. I think Alabama will win, but I, I think Stoops will will make it ugly. It'll be low scoring. It'll some keep it, you know, 24-17, something like that. And, and uh, Alabama will find a way to win the game, but I think Stoops will ugly it up enough that uh, 10 and a half is too high. So give me the, uh, give me the Iowa grad uh, Stoops to, uh, to cover. I like that one. And – that one definitely passes or is one of those smelly ones that, that make a whole lot of sense. All right, two other things for you. Mentioned FanDuel. They got the odds up right now for who's going to win the Big Ten West. In fact, it's the only division they had up as the, of this morning uh, up on the fan and the sportsbook right now. Iowa, of course, is the betting favorite. Minus 160. That's implied odds about 61% and change that they win the division. I think the odds are Iowa wins this is a lot higher than 61%, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, if the math is, I mean, so Ohio, I mean, Minnesota is going to lose again. They got to go to Ohio yeah. State. So we, we have a game up on them. And the key really comes down to Nebraska, isn't it? If Nebraska loses one more, then we have, we have a, we can, if Nebraska loses one more and assuming Ohio State beats Minnesota, then all we got to do is win two out of three, correct? I mean, am, am I miss, I'm missing the math on that. I mean, nope. I mean, so, I mean, I, again, I, I would never bet this because I have zero confidence in us winning any games right now. But on the flip side, we keep finding ways. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if you force me, gun to my head, to bet it, I'd probably take Iowa. I think we're – I mean, you look at the circumstances. I mean, I don't think Nebraska is going to win out. I, I think they'll – they're going to go to Wisconsin, I think, don't they? They're not going to win out Wisconsin. Yeah. No. So, I mean, that means all we got to do is find a way somehow to win two out of three down the stretch and – Hate or love our coaching staff, they find a way to do it. We've won what fifteen out of sixteen in November, I think. I mean, you can get mad at us all you want, but more times than not, they find a way to win two out of three down the stretch. Twenty-eight and a half is the total in this game. All right, historic low. Every time these historic lows have been there for Iowa, they've gone under. Uh, but I found this very interesting. So Kenny White is a guy that set the line in Vegas for almost twenty years. He was a guy in the eighties and nineties that basically every sports book and every casino operator basically worked through him to set their line every single week. And he still has a handicapping service. I get his numbers and he has projected every game throughout the course of the season, his projected total. If he was setting the line still today for the Iowa Nebraska game is 24 and a half, which we know it won't come out that low. It just, they can't do it talking to some bookmakers over the weekend. They can't set it that low. They just know they'll be inundated with over money. But that shows you just how ridiculous this Iowa season is going. And one thing, and I'm actually going to have him on my radio show uh, either later this week or next week, is I want to ask him, has Iowa football almost broken their model? And the model not just of a guy like that, but just 
because we see these historic lows, the operators have told me they want to put it lower, but they know they can't because they're going to be so upside down in the money and they can't afford a defensive score that's going to screw them up, something like that. Has Kirk Ferentz screwed Vegas? There's my question for you. Well, I mean, right now, out of principle, I think you'd be crazy not to bet the under on every Iowa game. I mean, the only way the over is hit is, like you said, it has to be a defensive touchdown. There has to be something crazy happen for the over to hit. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, I don't see, I don't see any way this is just a move down, up and down the field, somehow 17, 14, no mistake type game. I mean, yeah. if, if the over hits, it's going to be because there were some really short fields or some special teams touchdowns or some, some defensive touchdowns. So I, I'm at the point where just out of principle, no matter what the spread is, I'm betting the under every game a little bit at least. It's been a profitable endeavor throughout the yeah. course of the season. Well, Biz, you I, don't got feel great. I don't feel great about it ever, but right. you plug your nose and you're like, well, yeah. until, until proven wrong, let's, uh, let's roll with it. You got the Wildcats this week in Kentucky. I got you and LV. We will emerge back next week and get ready for the Illinois matchup. Recap what we saw against Rutgers and get ready for the final stretch and talk a little basketball. Fun time of year with basketball and football overlapping. Biz, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, go Hawks.